Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, what yes, you got sir. on the plate for tonight? I know you have something. I oh, know you've been man. holding something under your sleeve. You're doing something. You know, Greg, what I want to talk about tonight is something that everybody has been talking about, but nobody has really been, you know, I don't think it's been really talked about as much as it has been this year. Are you talking about the election? Well, kind of, sort of. You know, we know that that we have, for the first time ever, an African-American that's uh that's slated to go to the White House. Okay. You know, and uh I, I laughed because I heard someone talking about uh the White House is gonna become the light brown house if he makes it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> or the light skin house. Oh, jokes, huh? You know. But uh in all seriousness, we have to think about what our culture will be like. You know, and you know what's the legacy of our of our culture and in this world when we have if we have a president who is african american that leading the free world mm, okay you know and so tonight's topic is called are you prepared <laughs> <laughs> are you prepared to live in a multicultural world you know, and when we talk about that, there's a lot of things that are go- have been going on lately in the media, mm-hmm. you know, and also, you know, just in general, at, that deals with the different cultures in America and the different, in the makeup, the cultural makeup of America. Right. And, and you know, I took this class uh, today that's called, that was called um, Cultural Awareness, Cultural, you know, How to uh, Understand Cultural Awareness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it made me really think about, wow, I think, no, it was cultural diversity. Okay. Wherever, wherever it was, I, it was about cultural awareness and about uh, how to deal with different cultural, um, different cultures. Right. You know, as it pertains to serving them. Right. And so it kind of gave me the idea for the topic of the show tonight because that's something that we really haven't, you know, thought about people that have been kind of talking about what are we going to do if we have a black president you know or what are we going to do if we have a woman president you know well what is society going to do as a whole when we have to deal with these uh, these different issues you know uh regarding culture because we already know we're going to whoever the president is there's going to be a paradigm shift because you know different cultures don't just you know, include, okay, white or black or Hispanic or, you know, whatever, you know, Chinese. It also, you know, falls into different genders. It falls into different um, age groups, so you know, because you can have a culture of older people who don't necessarily deal with the culture of younger people. So you're saying this presidential election, this upcoming year, this coming year, is is pretty much... The, the entire world will be changed, or the, the entire world will have to deal with this. Oh, absolutely! You got to remember that the United States is a superpower. You know, we wield a lot of power over other nations. You know, and a lot of that has to do with our military strength. It has to do with the way that our currency is set up. So, pretty much, whoever the next president is will be the leader of the free world. Hmm. Okay. Okay. You know, do you think we're we're really prepared to deal with all the different cultural uh, diversities out there? You know what? I wrote down some stuff that I that that I want to talk about. I don't know if everybody is prepared for it, or or you know, is there ever a time when you're prepared because? We hear that all the time. We're, we're, we're not prepared for this. We're not ready for this. Well, when will we ever be ready for it? I mean, at, at some point, it's got to happen. Right. And we're going to have to deal with it. And see, that's, and again, I have to go back to what I learned in the class. Cultures change. So you have to 
be fluid. See, culture is a fluid term. You know, it's something that does not necessarily stay the same. You know, like the culture of young people. Before they were wearing their pants backwards, they were wearing them baggy. Sometimes they were wearing them high water. You know, now they wear them low way down mm-hmm. off their butt. You know what I mean? Yeah. But not every young person is part of that culture or subculture right. of youth. You know, some youth like to dress up and be, you know, sharp or whatever. Others like to be baggy. Some keep their hair cut. Some don't comb their hair at all. Some keep it braided, you know. And so there's different cultures and subcultures that are in there and intertwined cultures. You know, and in a multicultural world, you have to be very, very careful even how you speak to some people. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking to a coworker. And, you know, we were discussing how, um, you know, and he's a white person. And he said that he kind of understood how people would be offended if a white person said the N-word. Mm-hmm. And he said, but it's not the same if a black person called you the N-word. And I tend to agree with him because... You do have a lot of black people who call each other the N-word all the time. No big deal. They say it, and it's no big deal. But if you have a white person come in and say, hey, yo, what's up, my N? You know, depending on who that person is, and see, and that was the thing we talked about. It has to do with personal relationships as well because in some subcultures you do have white people who use the N-word, and they use it all the time talking to black people, and those black people don't have a problem with it. But then if somebody else that doesn't know them comes in and says the word, then there's a problem. But you know what? I want to say this. You know, most of the time when that N-word is used by whites, it's always we were joking. It was a joke. Why is it always a joke? You know what? I think that... They, and you know, and again, this is just pure speculation on my part. But I think what happens is sometimes you have situations where they feel like they may be comfortable enough with me using this word, so let me try it. And if they're comfortable with it, cool. If they're not, hey, it's just a joke. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. You know, no big deal. But do you think they ever mean it to be mean or hateful and just to try to say it? In that tone as, okay, this is a joke, but you know they really don't like you, but they say it. Depends on the person. Depends on the situation. I I don't think I can ever let anyone get that close to me to call me that. Right. I think a person has to be comfortable. I think you have to open yourself up to them to a certain degree for them to feel comfortable that they can play with you like that or say different things to you. But Mm -hmm. I really don't hear... Black people saying the C word to them, right, or around them. Why? Why don't we use that word a lot? You know what? I don't think that. You know, and again, this is this is my thoughts. Of course, it's our show, so we have our thoughts going on. Right. I I think that most black people don't use the C word because when when they want to use the C word, it's a it's a way of attack. Mm. See, they don't view the C word in the same light. At, well, they view the C word in the, is the same light talking to a white person that a white person that some white persons view the N word when they're mm-hmm. talking and attacking black people. Mm-hmm. See, like you don't see, and then also you don't hear white people saying that all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, what's up, my C? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't. I've hear never that. heard. I've never heard that. You know, I think I've heard it maybe once or twice, and I laugh, and I'm like, that sounds stupid, you know? <laughs> you know, but at the same time, when you hear a black person say, yo, what up, my in? You know, you don't think, you know, what well, most people don't think is stupid. Most people think that's just the way we talk to each other. Right. That's just the way that we conversate with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there's sort of like a double standard, but at the same time, you know, what standard can be set? that you use a derogatory word to talk to each other. You know, you use a derogatory word to have conversations with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that's really part of the problem because we've got so comfortable with saying whatever we want to say. 
Mm-hmm. Well, uh, with with the presidential race that's going on, you have Barack Obama and probably Obama. I'm just speculating. I don't know, and and Hillary Clinton. That's a powerful force to deal with. Mm-hmm. And, and we're looking at history, and everybody wants to be a part of history. And you see all around the world, people are embracing this particular team because I guess they feel that they want change. They don't want to live another four years of what we've been been going through, the high gas prices and just being at war and, and, and different things. Right. How can anyone say we're not ready or we're not ready for an African-American president? We're not ready for... A, a, a female as a vice president. How can anyone say that without it, you know, without hate lingering above their heads? You know what? I think it's just that, you know, it, that could be your personal opinion, and it doesn't necessarily have to be based on hate. Okay. You know, most people just feel like that this, at this time and this place in our civilization, that Americans aren't particularly ready for that. And I'm not saying that that's the case, you know, because I think that Americans can be ready for whatever they're ready for. Right. You know, and I know that's kind of like a blank statement, but I think that eventually you're going to have to cross that road. Do you, you think know? that this is, yeah, do you think that this is something a lot of times, uh, do you think that, People's opinions a lot of times comes from what they tradition, I'll say tradition, the parents have told them to vote a certain way or they pay close attention to what their parents did 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Absolutely. And now they're going to vote that way. But at some point, you're going to have to open up your mind and say, okay, maybe that happened 30 or 40 years ago, but times have changed. Let me be my own man or let me be my own woman and make my own decision based on what's happening in the now, not what happened a long time ago. Because we know a lot of decisions was based on hate back in the day. Right. You and know, because, and, and because they, you know, they, they weren't used to having the minority making decisions or in the in the uh, spotlight, uh, so to speak, or. Or running for president, or or female running for vice president or president, they, they they weren't used to that back in the day. But now it's a it's a different time. Right. You know, I think that people are obviously going to have to get used to the idea because you know the glass ceiling has been broken. <laughs> yeah. You know. But the, the other part of that is that, you know, you have so many different variables that are set now that are out there that people are going to have to deal with, you know, you know, how do we treat this? If we say something, is it going to sound like we're being racist? Or if we do this this particular way, is it going to sound like we're not being sensitive to uh, the nominee? Mm-hmm. You know, so you're going to have a lot of different people saying a lot of different things you know, on that issue. You know, but I want to get back to, you know, us having to live in that particular, you know, in this multicultural world. You know, Greg, what are one of the things you think, what are the, what's one of the first things people are going to have to be prepared for if we have, uh, you know, if, if we have a new president that's African-American? What do you think? I think as far as African Americans, I think we're going to have to thicken our skins because it's coming. It, it, it's coming. Things are going to be said uh, about the president like things have always been said about past presidents. But uh, on this, it being the first, I think we, we're going to have to be really careful and not be so sensitive to some of the things that are said. Now, some of the things are, are, are going to be said, Brian, that's going to be flat-out racist, uh, hate, and, and, and everything else. But we're going to have to deal with it because that's what's just going to come with the territory of him becoming the president. 
Right. I really do believe that. And I think that everything he does will be upon a magnifying glass times 100. <laughs> and you'll hear about what he ate and what he's wearing. And right now you're hearing about his wife not wearing the sleeveless shirts and her arms showing and, you know, this type of thing. You can everything will be magnified so much as children and and Hillary's, you know, they're going to go after her. It's just going to be crazy. But we're going to have to prepare for that because that's coming. It's happening now, and I, I really do believe that on our jobs, people will change. People that we talk to on a daily basis when this happens will change. They will say things that you kind of thought, or they'll surprise you and say things that you thought that you knew them. Right. But we all know whatever's in the heart, the mouth is going to speak it at some point. Yes. It, it's 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 going to be a glorious occasion when it does happen. But then again, you're going to have to fight to have that glory, to right. live that. So well, many people. Right. Yes. There's a price to everything. There's a price. There's going to be. It's a high price, and the entire world, this entire world, will be under a microscope because of a person's color. What difference does it make if he's white, black? It doesn't matter. Now he has a mixture of both, black and white, in him, and they're still not happy. Right. So. I, I think that we need to thicken our skins for one. That's what we really need to prepare for, for, for one. Number two, I think that a lot of what's going to happen, Brian, is a lot of people that have been into the media, a lot of people that have been into politics, they're going to be hit with people that never really paid attention to politics, and these people are going to come out now. A lot more, a lot of more people are really going to start looking and learning more than they ever thought about politics. Because children are now going to look and say, "You know what? We have a black president now. We have an African American president." And the females are going to say, "We have a, a, a female vice president." Now that to them, I I can do that. Right. I can do that. This world will accept me. I I can do this. When before it was only one side that were growing up in school saying, I'm going to be president. And they felt good about it. Now the other side, you may have African-American children saying, I want, I will be president. You you hear that all the time, Brian, and I'm sure you heard it when you were growing up. Mm-hmm. But were they did they really believe that back then? Right. Or were they just saying it because of the position? Or were they just saying it because other kids were saying it? Now when they see it, you're going to have to take them serious on it. Yes, because now they have a newfound confidence. Yes, everything, this is this is not just about, and we don't want to put the whole show on this presidential election, but the everything, there's so many different factors that's connected to this man walking into the White House. There's a lot there's a lot tied to that. There's a lot of changes, there's a lot of things that's going to be affected and it's going to take a lot of people to come together to get through this. Because it's going to be <laughs> the intense it's it, it's going to be uh, a wonderful time, but at the same time there's also going to be a struggle in dealing with the price. Right. You know, Greg, I want to also talk about, you know, uh, as we talk about living in this multicultural world, you know, there's this thing that, that uh, this term that has been being used for quite a while now called radical Islamic jihadists. You know, and when you hear that, you immediately, you know, I, I won't say everybody does, but most people immediately say, okay, all Muslims are like that. You know, and that's not necessarily true. You know, I work with people who are Muslims. I actually have people in my family that are Muslims that don't share those views, that these radical, you know, Muslim 
jihadists, you know, the folks that that believe that everybody who's not a Muslim should die, you know, they don't share those same views with those people. Right. You know, and they don't they don't have that same interpretation of their uh, you know their beliefs. Mm-hmm. You know, and so when we when we lump them all in the one boat and say, oh well, you know, hey, it's all the same. You know, it's not much different than when people used to say all black people are the same or all white people are the same or all Hispanics are the same. So now that we live in this world that in one neighborhood you may have someone who's Korean, someone who's Chinese, Mm -hmm. someone who's Japanese, you know, and you have to be careful not to say, hey, uh, Mr. Japanese man to the Korean man because that may be offensive to him. Right. But you don't really know what the difference between Japanese and Korean. You know what I mean? Yes, I know exactly you, what you mean. You have to become more sensitive to the cultures and at the same time, you know, learn more about your own culture so that you can give them a better understanding. Because most people believe that what they grow up with is their culture. You know, they believe that, that however I grew up, that's my culture. Mm-hmm. And for a sense, you know, in a sense, that's true, because you could have a family culture. You could have a culture of, you know, respect between brother and sister and uncle and aunt and grandmother and, you know, cousin and so forth. You know, but there's also, and that's, you know, and that may be a subculture of your culture. There's a culture of language, you know, like the use of the N-word. Mm-hmm. Most black people actually don't use the N-word, but you have some that do. Most black people think that N-word is offensive, but they may still use it. You know, we talked about, um, um, a while back on the show, we talked about Don Imus, Mm -hmm. and when he called the Rutgers uh, women's basketball team, you know, nappy-headed H's, Mm -hmm. you know, and... People were appalled. They were, oh, you're a racist, you're this, you're that. And nobody really went back to listen to any of his other shows. You know, he was an equal opportunity offender. All of the things that he said were offensive, you know, to all races, including his own. He made more fun of himself and his own race than anybody else's. But people took that and they were so offended, and they ran with it, and they went crazy, and they didn't want to get him fired, get him get get off the line. And he's back on the air now, and he comes back and he says something. And personally, I don't think what he said. You know, people people take these things and they run with them. I don't think what he said was necessarily aimed at being offensive to African Americans. I think what he was trying to say was, hey, look. You know, they're messing with this guy again. Well, look why. He's a black football player. You know, and that's the way he meant it. He said, I was trying to be sarcastic and say, hey, you know, he's a black guy, football player. You know, they're always messing with those guys as soon as they get in trouble. You know, because I had a conversation with a friend. He said, well, you know, when Matt Leinart was photoed, you know, funneling, you know, helping young girls funnel beer, and he said, oh, they were college freshmen. Yeah, but, you know, college freshmen, 18, 17 years old. You know, or they were they were of age according to the photo. They didn't really know the actual age. That was like a blip on the radar screen. You heard it, and then you didn't hear anything else about it. But you have a situation where Pac-Man gets a ticket for speeding, and it's front page news. You know, or he requests that they you change my name. Don't use the word Pac-Man anymore. I want you to go by my real name. I want to shed the old persona of me being, you know, that person. And I want to create a new person. You know, he he wanted to get away from being the Pac-Man. A lot of people, that, right. Uh, you know, I think I think a lot of people took what Don Imus said as something totally different. I I I think that they took from from what he was saying was, well, look at the thing he's been arrested for this, he's been arrested, well, that's what black people do. A lot of people took, that's how they felt when he said that. Mm-hmm. Now, if you listen to the rest of his his interview or whatever, he was, when he was talking about when he was talking about it, he, he, he didn't make any reference to, 
well, he was mistreated because he was black. And a lot of people feel that the reason he said that, that, well, I was saying that, 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 that he's been picked on because he's black. The two, if you listen to the statement that he said and, and what he's trying to cover up, the two is not is not mixing it. It's not going together because of the way that he said it, the way that it sounded. Now he may have meant like what you said. He may have meant it that way, but it didn't come out that way. Right. So you know when you're out there in the media, you have to be real careful on what you say and how you say it and that tone that you're using. Now I, I don't listen to him. Mm-hmm. So, I, but I did hear them. I did hear it on the radio. Or not on radio, but on television, they played it on. It's been all over the news. I heard it, and right. I was like, "Wow, that's that's pretty powerful for him to say that." I wonder what's going to happen. But now that he's on, what is it, satellite radio? I believe that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think they're going to pull it. I don't think they're going to pull no, it he's at all. On, uh, just regular radio. Oh, he's okay, regular radio. I, I don't. I don't think they'll pull it. I don't think they'll pull him. But you have to remember, a lot of times people say things to get more exposure when. They're not having it. A lot of things are said out of ploy so that they can get other people to come in and listen. Because can you imagine how many people listen to his show the next the next morning? <laughs> can you imagine? I'm sure his. I'm sure he had great ratings the next day. <laughs> and everybody's listening. I wonder what he's going to say next. Let me listen. What is he going to say next? But in this country, Brian, all you have to do is apologize. You know, and that would have been well and good. But with him, he tried to he apologized, and then he made the the mistake of trying to explain himself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where he made his fatal flaw, because the one thing you don't do is try to explain yourself to somebody who already has an opinion of you. Yeah, I, I think I think if if you and I were to do that, and we apologize, or I mean, we, I don't think anyone would want an explanation from us. But when you're in the spotlight and you're 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 basically living off of sponsors sponsorship, people paying you a lot of money, and you start saying these different things, uh, there's a lot attached to what he says because when a person says something like that. That company may take a hit because people know who's attached to who. People know where that money's going and who they're endorsing or sponsoring or whatever. They know that. So that company is going to start losing money. But right. I tell you, that's the only way that you can get attention in this country is by hitting somebody's wallet. When you start messing with that wallet, people start making moves and changes that they never would move or make or, or moving people that you never thought that they would move. Right. So, you know, when someone comes out and says something like that, and now you have, which I think the media has picked, a voice for the African-American community, which I don't think is, <laughs> I don't know, I, I, I guess, Brian, they pick and choose who they want to be the spokesperson, and whoever that spokesperson is is supposed to be speaking for the entire black community. Mm-hmm. I'm going to reserve comment <laughs> because I, I truly believe that one person can't be the spokesperson for for all. For all. No. You know, no. I mean, you can you can speak to certain people about certain issues, and you can be the spokesperson for a certain segment. Mm-hmm. But because, like, for instance, the African-American race, because we are so diverse and because we have so many different subcultures beneath our current culture, you know, beneath our race, mm-hmm. that you can't just lump us all into one boat. You know, it's it's literally impossible. I mean, if you just look at the culture of color, look how many different colors define the African-American race or black people in general. Right. You know, you can go all the way from one, from the lightest of the light to the darkest of the dark. Mm-hmm. And all those people could literally be in a, in a single subculture, in a single family culture, you can have the lightest of the light and the darkest of the dark. Well, why, you know, since we're talking about light and dark, why? what's the big issue? Do we not all bleed? 
what is what is really the big is, is this about the perception of this country if we have an African American president? Is it the perception or can he or, or do they or do people feel that he can't do the job? Now, there's a system. She's gonna to have to play that system role as the president. There's a lot of things that he's gonna it's some things that he'll have control over and some of the things that he won't. There's a lot of things that he's going to have to do that maybe he not he, you know he probably didn't agree with, but there's not not one single person that's going to make all of the decisions, right, right? You know, and if you listen to the media now, the way that they talk about him, or the way that they come at him, it it's it's as if he's fighting against so many different people, but the people in this country are not. Saying or, or their belief or what they're hearing, you know, what we're hearing is really not them really speaking for the, the people because Obama's not where he is because of only black votes now. Let's be real. Right. This man is doing things that this country has never seen or heard before. It, it's something about this man. You, you know, they're, they're calling him the elitist. They're calling him the antichrist. They're calling him all these different names. Why? Why? What is his issues? Why? Why? Why judge him by the color of his skin? You know, I, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that they don't really know a lot about him because he's not part of that. You know quote-unquote, good old boy school. And so they have to go with the easy thing. They just attack him. <laughs> you know, they try to hit him wherever they can. Mm. You know. But, but you know what? I, I'm in the chat room, and, and someone said that the reason that a lot of these people are attacking Obama, Obama is because they are afraid. They're, they're absolutely afraid. What, what, what do they think we're going to do? What do, what do they think that this man is going to do or, or say that he's not doing right now? Is he going to get in there and become a dictator? That's not going to happen. No. Is, is he going to put uh, different races in slavery? That's not going to happen. Are you really afraid or do you not want to live in a country where an African-American is president? Now, <clears throat> You hear all the time that's not patriotic. You, you, you're not patriotic. That's not very patriotic. If you don't follow your president, you talk against them. <laughs> Come on. If this man becomes president, you're going to hear things said about the president that you've probably never heard before. Right. You know, <laughs> I'm laughing at the chat room person. I, you know, I think <laughs> you're probably right on that issue, but I think it's more of. People who have been in power for so long, and you have to think about the mindset of oppression. You know, if you have someone that's an oppressor, that's oppressing you, that's keeping you down, as some people would say, you all, you know, that oppressor becomes very afraid when the power is shifted to the person that he's oppressed. Mm. And so you do have some segments of our culture as Americans, the American culture, that believes that maybe if we do have an African-American president, that he'll start rolling back, you know, some of the things that have oppressed and maybe, you know, start bringing some things out that and shedding some light on, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know exactly it, what you're it, they think that oh my God, they're going. He's going to figure out some of the things we've done wrong. He's going to get in there and realize just how oppressive that this government has been towards not just minorities but people in general. Yeah. You know, you have this this very small amount of people who are just you know vicariously wealthy and they don't have a care in the world and they use dollar bills. To uh, to keep their fires warm in their dog houses, you know, <laughs> yeah, and then you have that. these other folks who, if they had a dollar, they probably would be afraid to spend it right now because they wouldn't have another one for another six months, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you have these two different spectrums of people that live in the greatest country ever created, 
the greatest country, I would say the greatest country ever assembled. You know, we're, we're absolutely the melting pot, and yet we have such a disparity between the haves and the have-nots. We have many different cultures here, and even inside those cultures, you have some that have and are vicariously wealthy and some that don't have and, you know, don't have two nickels to rub together. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I say again, are we really prepared to live in this new multicultural world? Because when you look at it, when you look at other countries, you know, there is not many other countries that are set up the way the United States is set up. Right. You know, in most of those countries you have a, a large majority and then you have a very, very small minority of people. You know, and it's, it's basically, you know how we look at the Democrats and the Republicans here? where there's a lot of Democrats, a lot of Republicans, mm-hmm. and then a bunch of whole, you know, a lot of other uh, parties and party affiliations and so forth. Yeah. Where in those countries, you have, you know, in most countries you have a large majority and you have a very small minority, and that large majority usually oppresses the small minority. Right. And as that small minority gets larger and larger, and they become larger than the majority, they turn around and oppress the majority, and that majority becomes the minority. Are you talking about something like uh, a Zimbabwe, the, the, the events that are going on right there right now, kind of? I can talk about that. I can talk about how uh, people are really up in arms in France because a lot of France has become predominantly Muslim. And so a lot of the Muslim beliefs are being placed through you know through government means because there are a lot of Muslims in the ruling government, and so they are starting to make a lot of changes that the former ruling government don't like, and they're saying, "Oh, you're trying to pour, force religion on us," you know, and they said, "Well, this is our culture. This is what we believe as a culture, not necessarily a religion, but a culture. This is something that we practice. This is something that we believe in, mm-hmm. and so that's why we're doing it, you know, and they want to." And so people just from both sides are afraid. You know, you just hear recently how uh, the Obama camp was was kind of wrapped on the hand about taking the Muslim women out of a photo shoot. You know, he did a photo shoot, and then another one, he, he had, at, at two of his uh, aides asked the, the Muslim women, they were covered, they had their heads covered, and they were asked to get out of the out of the photo shoot. I, I think that's a, sort of a synopsis of what it was. I don't exactly know what happened, mm-hmm. but you know. And then you have uh, Keith Ellison, who is a Muslim uh, congressman, and he was asked not to come to a meeting or something like that with Obama because it would be seen as you know, oh my gosh, you know, we don't want everybody to think that Obama's a Muslim because then nobody will vote for him. You know what I mean? Yes, and so you have these. Well, you have to be so sensitive, and yet also very cognizant of the different religions, the different cultures, subcultures. You know, I, I can even remember it when people were getting on Hillary Clinton because when she went to, uh, she was in New Hampshire or something like that, and she was talking a certain way, and then she went to Selma, Alabama, and she started saying "y'all" and the Southern drawl came out. You know, and then when she went to California, she had the Van Eyes kind of speech. So she kept changing her voice and changing the way that she was speaking to those different audiences. Now, most people will say that you need to be adaptable to your environment. But, of course, the other folks were saying, well, you know, she was patronizing this. Well, do you think people will, will adapt to uh, Obama's um, cultural upbringing? You think they will adapt to that? You know, or be open know. to it. I don't know. I mean, and you got to think about this. Here's a here's a culture, a cultural thing. When o, when uh, Obama and his wife, when uh, Barack and Michelle did the little fist pump, you know, right. they just gave a little bump of the fist. That's a cultural thing. People made that out. They said that was a terrorist fist bump. They sent a message to the terrorists. I'm like, are you kidding me? Wow. Everybody bump fists. You know, that's a cultural thing. Some people shake hands. Eskimos rub noses. They don't kiss. They rub noses. So, I mean, <laughs> it's a cultural thing. 
Do you, you know, do you think that the people that are bringing us up saying that it was a terrorist thing, that a signal to the terrorists, do you think these people are just actually out there to put that out there so that people can hear it? And at some point, those votes that they would they could get to swing the other way. If you continue to do that on a daily basis, you pick up more and more voters that's going to be negative, or they're going to come up, they're going to turn away from uh, Barack Obama. Do you think that that's their mission to do that? Yeah, I really do. I really do. You know, when you think about it, you have so many different people who have already have their preconceived notions about who uh, Barack Obama is, who John McCain is, who all the presidential candidates, you know, that were coming in, who they are. They already have their preconceived notions. You had people talking about Mitt Romney and the fact that he was a Mormon and would not vote for a Mormon. You had um, Giuliani, who was a Catholic, but he believed he was pro-abortion. And so the Catholics were saying, oh, you're not going to be able to go to Mass, and you're not going to be able to take communion, you know. And so you have all these different people who have their preconceived notions about, you know, people in general, you know. You have a lot of African Americans that would be appalled if they heard somebody say the N-word that wasn't black, but yet they call their kids that all the time. So you think that... It, that Right now, what's going on with Barack and every all the issues that everybody's raising right now about him, and do you think that they're using fear as a mechanism to decide what people will do at the polls? Oh, yeah. I think most people have already made their decision. I think most people have made, have made their decision a long time before he even became a nominee. Right. And the reason I say fear, it's so easy to put fear into someone because if you're saying something, and, and in this country, it's a very comfortable country. It's very comfortable. It's the best country in the world. Nothing even compares to it. But when you start telling people that there may be a change in the way that you live, there may be a change in the way the laws that we have, because if we elect this guy, he's going to do this or he's going to do that. And, and that's what I mean by fear. They're saying all these things about him to dictate what people will do at the polls. Right. Right. And, and again, you know, it's all part of that grand design. We can't let him get in because what if he decides, what if he finds out what we've done as a culture or as a self, a, a a subculture, you know, and what they're trying to do now, they're trying to mold him into, you know, they're and they're trying to mold the Americans' viewpoint into saying, oh, he's like you said before, he's an elitist. Well, most people don't even know what an elitist, what an elitist. They didn't know what it was until somebody called Obama an elitist. Mm. And why why is he? all of a sudden an elitist. You see, you got to remember, people use these words and they use the power of semantics, semantics to try to yeah. confuse people. You know, they use they use semantics to say, well, this guy is an elitist. Well, what does elitist mean? That means he's, he's trying to only go for the elite people. You know, you're not part of the elite, so you're not an elitist, you know. And so, you know, of course, if you hear that, you immediately feel slighted because you say, "Well, I'm not, uh, I'm not part of the elitists because these people are powerful." Well, you know, really. Oh, oh, oh so I'm now, now, yeah. So now that they're calling him an elitist, they're giving him power. Right. They're giving him power now. Right. But but before, he didn't have any. He right. never. Well, not just that. They're also saying that the common people. They're basically saying, oh, you're just common. You're listening to this show. You're common. You're not an elitist, so he's not for you. Well, you, you know, know what? I... <laughs> and so they're, they're literally saying to everybody else, 
He's not your candidate. He's the candidate of the very, very wealthy people that he's already said he's going to tax. Or do you sort of think like a double? It's like a double-edged sword. He's part of the elite of this, you know. Wherein, on the other side, you have some very wealthy elite people that you've never heard them say, "McCain is an elitist." <laughs> You know, you never heard them talk about any of the other candidates being an elitist. But because he was the leading candidate and they had to say they had to say something, just anything. So they come up with everything. He's Muslim. Look at he's a radical. no, he's not a Muslim, he's a radical Christian. <laughs> you see? Oh, you know, he's no longer a radical Christian. Now he's an elitist. Oh, now he's he's not sensitive to the needs of Muslims. Before he was Muslim, now he's not sensitive to the needs of Muslims. Or, or, See how they or, keep trying to flip the different cultural, cultural. Right. You know, they're trying to basically show that here's a man that can't be sensitive to the needs of your culture. Or, or Brian, are they saying he's a different kind of black man? And the reason right. I say that is we've never had anyone of color to be in a position like this, the, the position that he's in right now. Do you think that they just don't know how to deal with him because there are no blueprints on how to deal with candidates for president that are black or or female? They never had to deal with that, so now they're 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 pulling straws now trying to figure out what to do with this man. They don't really know what to do because it seems as though everything that they've done, when this man get up and speak, it turns it shifts as everything is going into his favor. When you attack him, it's something about this man when he gives a speech that he's a little bit more believable than a lot of the other people that have come before him. And you hear people comparing him to the likes of John F. Kennedy, uh, Martin Luther King, and this guy is not campaigning for president, Brian. It's as if he's acting as president now. When this man speaks, he speaks with command and power. On the other hand, on the other side, it's not that way. It's not coming out like that. But yet he wants to debate with him on a weekly basis. Now, do you want to debate with him on a weekly basis because now you're keeping him close to you, you're learning his strategy every time he opens his mouth, you're learning and you're figuring out where he's going. <laughs> is, is that the real issue, or is that is that what you're trying to do? You or, know, do you, or do you think you can go toe-to-toe with him with words? Hard to say. You never know. You You can't really tell how or what strategy that they're trying to have. Right. You know, you you really can't speculate on it either. I mean, you could, but I don't know. You know, I would think it'd be a great strategy to try to get him talking, to see the hope that he may possibly say something wrong. Right. You know, because they 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 are they are very very unapologetically scrutinizing every single move he makes. Oh. Barack Obama, listen to what kind of music does he listen to? What kind of music did he download the other day? You know, oh, Barack Obama, what did he eat this morning? He had toast. Well, he didn't toast it that much. Oh, that's because he's light brown. He doesn't want dark toast. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, you never know exactly what they're, what the media is going to say, how the media is going to react. And so you have to almost tiptoe through every word and rehash it and rehash it. And, you know, the sad part about it is because he has so many people on his team that's trying to make sure that he doesn't screw up something or make sure that they don't offend somebody, that sometimes those people can be detriment because they can make it seem like that he's not real. Right. You you understand what I'm saying? Yes. It's like, they they want to make sure that he's so polished and that he says exactly the right thing and that he doesn't flip a flip up on gag, you know, or mess up something that they make him sound like he's 
too perfect. Yes. You know, yes. and I, and I think that could be that could be just as damaging as saying, okay, hey, you know, he said this, he did that, you know, but you make him too perfect, and then people don't believe that he is who he is. Right. Right. I I I really believe that this country is prepared for him to be president. I really do believe that. No matter what is on television or in the news, I think people want change. They want to change. I really do believe that. And any there's a lot of people out there that could have run for president. Why why didn't they? Why are they afraid to run? And there is an agenda out there. Everybody's not against him and Brian, you know everybody that that's not the case that everybody's against him. You have people that are with him and trying to help him, and Brian, they don't look like him. Right. How, how is that? You know, you, you have a man that's speaking, that's touching different countries. If you watch the media, you know, people say, well, don't watch the media. Well, if you watch the media, you, you're hearing from those different countries, and they're saying great things. Is that a ploy? Do they really mean it? Well, the only thing you could do is take it for what it is. Right. Because you don't know. But one thing I'll say that you have right now with this this man running for president, you have people that gave up on politicians or politics, that they didn't believe in the system. But though now those those same people are saying, you know what, it's time for a change. I believe that we should give this guy a chance. I think we need to go in and listen to him and let's give him a try and see what he does. But, Brian, also, so many uh, African-Americans that are older now never thought, they never, Brian, they never even dreamed that they could, something like this would happen in their lifetime. Right. They thought Jesse Jackson was the best hope we had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't mean to laugh when I say that, but, I mean, you have some people that believe it. That Jesse Jackson is the best hope we had for president. And ever since then, you had, you know, Al Sharpton took his try and failed miserably. Sorry to say that, Al, but it's the truth, you know. Right. <laughs> you know, and uh, so many people disbelieve him. You might as well give that up. So now that you see something that happens like that where you have an African-American who has the opportunity to lead the free world, and I keep saying it like that, you know, because that's in effect what he'll have. He'll have the power to lead the free world. Now, you think about this and think about how how powerful that statement is. Here it is, descendant of former slaves now wield the power of the free world again we're talking about are you prepared to live in a multicultural world because we know that if we have a president who is a minority then you'll have other people who believe that they can achieve that same status you'll have people that are overseas that he'll have that sense of you know, he'll be sensitive to the needs of those that are oppressed overseas because he understands his heritage and how his heritage and the heritage that he came from were oppressed. You see? Yeah. So do that do they want that to be different in the United States? So you gotta remember, there is a lot of money out there that's built on oppression. I say oppression and compression because they keep it so locked down and closed up, and nobody unless you know unless the quote unquote elite, and that's why you hear them talking about elitist and being in an elitist group. See, the elite people know these things; they know these little tricks of the trade. They have this money locked up that you can't even touch unless you're unless you have the the the, the assets of an elite type person. And so immediately, they say, well, let's label him an elitist. Let's say he's one of us. Because then the common people won't like him, they won't vote for him, and we'll win. Mm. But see, he doesn't operate like an elitist. Because he'll make a statement like, 
okay, I want black men to work on raising their black children. <laughs> you see, and people will say, what in the world did he just say that for? Now we can't build more prisons. Mm. You know? Yes. Because, like I said, there's a lot of money in oppression and compression. You know, I heard him, I read something, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he was saying, I, I did read that he thinks that the law needs to be changed on cocaine and crack, on who uses it and how they use it, I believe. If I'm wrong, please tell me I'm wrong. But I, I think he was saying the sentence for the people that use crack, which is less cocaine in it, they get sentenced more or more harshly than those that use straight powdered cocaine. Absolutely. You know, and 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 a sense I agree with you on that because when you look at it, you could take cocaine and make way more crack out of that one piece of you know one bag or what have you of cocaine. Right. And it's yet, all wrong it's, though. It's all wrong. You know, right. It's all wrong. Right. And yet, but yet the sentencing for the use of of, uh, or having crack or selling crack is ten times that of cocaine. And I may be exaggerating, but I know it's way, you get a, a much larger sentence that if you had the same amount of cocaine, because they say, well, crack is more addictive. But yeah, but you make crack out of cocaine. So if there's mm -hmm. no cocaine, there's no crack. So why not make the sentence the same and you'll deter the people who have the cocaine from making the crack? Mm. Well, you see, I mean, they call it crack cocaine because it's made from cocaine. Yes. I, I, I just believe that we're ready. I think we're prepared. I think this country is a lot stronger than a lot of people will will give give them give themselves credit for. I agree. I think you'll have a few people who just are completely at a loss. They wouldn't know how to be prepared. And then you have some that are completely ready, and they've been waiting for this forever. Mm -hmm. You know, so, I mean, I'm of the mindset, you know, and I, I just thought about something. This is completely off the subject, but gas prices have been so high. Greg, you know we've been talking about gas prices for weeks. Please don't bring that up. How come... You know, and again, I'm just speculating. I never bought any or sold any. But how come crack prices and cocaine prices didn't go up? Because they make cocaine out of, you know, they use a lot of petroleum when they're making the cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know. I'm not going to even try to answer that one. <laughs> yeah, I know it was just a side. It was just a side thought. Sometimes yeah. I have those. Yes. But I think I think people are prepared. I think this country is prepared. I think that we don't give ourselves enough uh, credit. Uh, I believe overall as a country we will do the right thing. I think that we uh, are sensitive to a lot of the issues that they say that we're not because one person can't answer or decide things for this country. If you right. have... It's going to take a group. It's going to take a yes. coalition of yes. people. I yes. mean, when you look at our current presidency... You know, he didn't do it all by himself. That's right. You know, um, former presidents, they had staffs, they had advisors, they had other cabinet members with not intricate knowledge. So it's not like, you know, he's going to be the complete authority on and ruler of everything. You know, he's not going to be the one to make all the decisions. You know, but I just think that they believe that because, you know, he is who he is, that he might make those decisions right. that may be detrimental to their pockets. I'll just say it like that. Ah. You know, Greg, we've got about 30 seconds left in the show. I just want to thank everybody who joined us in the chat room. Those are on the line. And those who will also listen to this as we're going to make sure that we get it out on MySpace. And, again, you can check our website, myspace.com slash Brian J. Henderson, myspace.com slash ASE Motivation. Also, you can go to AbundantSolutionsEnterprises.com or MindAlteringStrategies.com. Again, 
You've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you. Good evening, and God bless.